Hello. Thank you for tuning in to the North Lakes podcast. In this episode, which is our first one of season two, we will be talking to behavioral health therapist Ben Britton, who practices out of our clinic in Washburn. It would be easy to say that we just talk about video game addiction, but Ben gives a great explanation of addiction in general, and then we dive into talking about video games, and it's not just about kids. I'm your host, Jeremy Oswald, and here at the North Lakes Podcast, we talk to North Lakes providers about topics that we hope you find interesting and informative and really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Let's get to our conversation with Ben. Ben, hi, how are you? Good, very good. And how? Uh, what are we talking about today? We, I think we decided we wanted to talk about video game addiction. Yeah, video game addiction, I think kind of addiction in general, like getting an idea of, of what where it comes from, how it forms in the first place. You know, it's it's like a lot of a lot of what we understand about addiction or we think we understand about addiction is completely false and based on, you know, like portrayals and movies and, and stuff like that and, and old information. So we're learning new stuff about it all the time and it's one of my job duties to keep up to date on it. But so I some um I was surprised to hear video game addiction. I mean it's a it's a thing. It's not yeah. something I even thought about. I'm not a gamer, so maybe that's why and I don't have children. So but but it's a real thing. It is. Um the actually the the ICD ten, which is the kind of it, the international classification of diseases it's put out by the world health organization it is recognized in there there's a there's a billing code for it and everything um in the united states we tend to use um the apa's dsm-5 which the icd-10 gets updated pretty regularly the dsm-5 or the dsm in general doesn't so Likely the next iteration of the DSM is going to include something that at least addresses video game addiction as a behavioral addiction versus a chemical addiction. Um, so it's, it's, it'll, it'll be right now, if somebody were to come to me and say, the sole purpose I want to do counseling is for a video game addiction. I couldn't use that diagnosis to see them, but there's like with any addiction, there's likely plenty of other things that, that need to be worked on. So you can call it something else really. And addiction is never the primary thing, right? It's, it's never, it's a side effect of something else. So the, the bodies that I don't want to say make up the diagnosis or come up with the diagnosis is they're working on this now and it's coming down the road. Very likely. The the DSM tends to follow the ICD-10. Um, in a lot of cases, they if if the IDC, if the international um, body that that decides on diseases has recognized it for ten years, and the DSM comes along and says, "Oh no, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna bother with that." Um, that almost never happens. That so. would be weird. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll likely see it included in the next DSM. All right. So um, 
I guess we could talk about a couple of different things. One thing you mentioned is that uh, substance addiction is different than uh, what? Uh, behavioral behavioral addiction. addiction. We could talk about that first, or we could talk like go right into like what video game addiction is. What what do you think is a good place to start? I think the best place to start is kind of understanding how addictions form in the first place. Sure. So to do that, you have to understand kind of and and in the examples I'm going to use to explain this, everything is very. Um, I take something that's incredibly complex and try to simplify it as much as possible. So this is by no means a comprehensive, comprehensive explanation of what a addiction is, but in, in to gain a better idea of the general properties of it, um, I've simplified it quite a bit. Um, that, that, that's helpful for me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to start off, our we have to look at our emotions, right? Our emotions at their basic level are physiological responses to various stimuli, right? So um, we developed three major brain areas, let's say, with the most basic and the earliest one that developed being the brainstem. That's, you can think of that part as the part that um, actually does the releasing of the various chemicals that produce an emotional reaction. Then we've got the middle brain part. That's the part that lizards have. People call it lizard brain or, you know, um, I call it the Incredible Hulk brain because that's kind of he, the Incredible Hulk is a great representation of, of how it actually works. Like, and then we have the big fat human brain on top of that. And the big fat human brain is in charge of doing all of our executive functioning. It's called so problem solving and, and critical thinking, doing podcasts, doing podcasts, (laughs) Sudoku Mm -hmm. couldn't do it without our big fat human brain. And the middle brain is kind of the part and again, I'm, 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 it's more complex than this, but for our purposes, um, the middle brain is the part that decides which emotion we're supposed to be feeling. So let's say you and I are sitting here and a bear bursts through the door, right? Our big fat human brain is going to go, holy crap, a bear, right? It's going to go, this is very atypical. This shouldn't be happening. And it's going to produce a response by sending that message to the middle brain. And then the middle brain says, well, I've been preparing for this for the last 2 million years. I know just what to do. Fear is what we need right now. And it sends that message to the brainstem. The brainstem says, aye, aye, captain, and starts releasing all the hormones that are required for fight or flight. It, the, it, it pushes blood to our appendages so that we can run and fight. It, it kind of, it, it does away with things like, impulse control because in that particular situation we don't want impulse control because it could slow us down it could stop us from actually reacting quickly so now i like to think that if a bear were to burst in here i would be very heroic and i would jump on top of it and at least distract it long enough so you could get away i would appreciate that yeah that'd be great but also i'm have to be realistic and there's every chance that i'm going to trip you and leave you for dead and the bear will eat you while i get away it's interesting. Yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we come right, to right. it. But uh, the, the point is that bear comes in, we see danger. 
the middle brain says we need fear. Brainstem pumps out fear response. Now, once the bear is dealt with, meaning we, we you know, run inside a house or, or shoot it or in some way remove the danger of the bear, then that emotional response dissipates. Right? It, it, we don't need it anymore. We, we can go back to normal. And part of that... Unless I think you're a threat to me by not... <laughs> exactly. Know, <laughs> well, if you see me wrestle a bear, I'm going to be a yeah, threat. Right. right. <laughs> that's pretty... Obviously. Um, part of that that is fear is unpleasant, right? So the fear being unpleasant is what drives us to deal with the bear so that once the fear goes away, that feels nice. It's a reward, right? We, we are no longer afraid and we like that. So... That's the, the kind of the system, how it's supposed to work, how, how we evolved to work, right? Back in caveman days, worked great, you know. Nowadays, we got too smart too fast, and we've moved past that system working very well. Because now we figured out with our big, fat human brain how to manufacture kind of new emotions and, and additional levels of emotions that we don't really need. So let's say you are after the bear situation, we both are safe and you come in the next day and it would be incredibly unreasonable to expect another bear to come in, right? Well, let's say it does. Well, now that we say, okay, a bear and that message gets sent to the midbrain, we have our fear response, the bear goes away and then we say, okay, bear is dealt with. That message gets sent to that, that emotional part of our brain and says, okay, we're not in danger. You can shut it off. And that part of our brain goes, no way, dude. You, you said that last time and another bear showed up. So I'm going to keep this rolling for a little while. And pretty soon you've got chronic stress, right? You're kind of in a constant state of, of anxiety over the potential for danger, right? And when you hear about people say, um, st stress leads to heart disease and, and all of these horrible things. What they're talking about is they're talking about that constant chronic stress, right? When, when the emotional response acts how it's, or, or responds how it's supposed to, that doesn't happen. The damage is almost non-existent, right? Um, so where does addiction come in? Addiction comes in because if a bear bursts in this room, we respond with fear. And then our big fat human brain says, you know what? That bear is too much to deal with. I don't want to, I'm not, not even going to pay attention to it. It doesn't remove the fact that we're afraid, right? We just don't want to you know, address the bear. So our brain goes, well, we can't just be afraid for no reason. So we have to find another reason we're afraid. Right. So our brain goes, oh, well, you remember that one time uh, you, your older brother bounced a Kleenex box off your head and gave you a bloody, you know, blood was dripping down. And it was just an awful thing. Oh, well, I, my fear response must be from that memory. So I'm going to get all the Kleenex boxes out of my office. Right. And that's not it at all. The bear is still sitting right next to you, chewing on your arm. But you're like, nope, I'm not going to listen to the bear. You're finding something else. To yeah, you're going to put it on to. something else. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you have all of these triggers that are are 
oh, that must be why I'm afraid. That must be why I'm afraid, because the bear is too difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. So we never get that that reward from dealing with the bear. So that's where addiction comes in, right? Now, to get that reward, say my, my life is miserable and you know, to dumb it down even more, the only issue I have is that I haven't paid my car payment. Okay. Now, how I need to deal with that is to, the, the anxiety is coming directly from not paying my car payment, except I manufacture additional anxiety by going, well, if I don't pay my car payment, my car's going to get repossessed. I won't be able to get to work. I'll lose my job. My wife will leave me and I'll die alone. Like we, we, we manufacture this scenario and create more anxiety. The reason that anxiety is, exists is to give us a little bit of a, a boost to do what we can to address the bear. In this case, it's the car payment and pay the car payment, right? Well, let's say we can't. We don't have the resources, right, in that moment. So ugh, this anxiety feels weird. So I'm going to have a couple of drinks. Well, that anxiety magically goes away, right? It, it, it gives us the reward we're looking for without having to deal with the bear. But it's a very temporary thing. Like a distraction. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a distraction. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get the reward and we go, ah, I'm not anxious about the bear anymore. Well, then the alcohol wears off and we go, oh, crap, the bear's still there. Well, now I'm, it's, you know, the next day and it's even more uncomfortable. So I need to drink more to get the same effect. You want that distraction. You want that. The, yeah. The addiction is the distraction from what is the real problem. Exactly. It gives you the reward for dealing with the thing without actually dealing with the thing. Mm-hmm. So... Anything can kind of fit into that that thing. So when we talk about things like alcohol and other like substance use type things, heroin, methamphetamine, whatever, there's an additional component of introducing chemicals that wouldn't normally be there. And that's what we call a chemical addiction. It actually adds additional chemicals into the system that start screwing stuff up. But it is, but what it does is it gives you that distraction and then therefore the, the, the that pleasure. Yes. But the problem's still there. Right. It, it tricks our brain into f- responding as if we dealt with the thing that's causing the unpleasant emotion. Mm-hmm. But it, it's fake. It goes away and the thing is still there. So eventually this is... Well, bring it. Let's we'll bring it back to the difference between a, a chemical addiction and behavioral addiction. Basically, a behavioral addiction will do the same thing without the additional chemicals added in those those ones that wouldn't normally be there. Um, the effect is basically the same. If if I'm really, um, you know, eating is a fantastic example of this. You know, if I'm really anxious about that car payment. And I go, well, I'm not going to do anything about the car payment, but I'm going to eat an entire pizza from Little Caesars. Well, it's delicious, and we feel nice and toasty warm afterwards until about three hours later when we're bloated and sick and, you know. 
but it's a very short-term solution. In that three hours, we feel fantastic. We're not thinking about the car payment anymore, you know, because we've kind of we've said, okay, we've we've tricked that middle part of our brain to say, okay, we've dealt with it now. And that middle part goes, okay. And then the effects of whatever we do wear off, and the middle brain is like, ah, you got me, but it's still there, so I'm gonna bring that feeling back again, right? So we could put anything in there. Anything could be an addiction from gambling to, you know, well, to video games. Exercise. Exercise. Can, any, any kind of behavioral thing that, I mean, knitting could conceivably be an addiction, right? And I think that kind of vagueness is part of the reason that the specific of video game hasn't really been included because to, to say video game addiction is a thing, you would also kind of have to recognize all of the other things and specify them. Mm. So what I would guess is that we're going to see something like a, a, and there is currently in the DSM today, an unspecified, it's a code nobody really ever uses, but it's, um, something I don't remember exactly, but something like an unspecified um, addictive behavior or something like that. That. Um, so, are there moments that that's a good thing? That that distraction is helpful or needed? Yes, where it doesn't become an addiction, doesn't become a problem, but maybe just a little, little something like I, I'm going to deal with this, but right now I kind of want to put it put it down the road a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like in the case of of the anxiety over paying the car payment, right? Well, let's say the car payment is due today, but you don't get paid for three days, right? When you get paid, the car payment's going to be made. So that anxiety you're feeling in that moment isn't doing you any good. Like it's not like you can immediately do something to address that right away. So do something to distract yourself maybe for a few days. And once the check comes in, pay the car payment and you're good to go. Um, Ideally that unpleasantness will provoke you into um, uh, avoiding that particular behavior in the future. Like maybe making, taking an extra precaution, making sure that the money's there on time next time, you know, taking a look at your budget and setting up, controls to put into place that prevent that situation again right so video games are very much like uh like almost a gambling addiction um for instance there's all kinds of different video games right um some of the most addicting video games are what's called a first person shooter call of duty is a big one um there's a uh, Fortnite is is hugely popular, and what this does is you you are put on a team with other players from around the world, and and your team goes in and basically eliminates the other team. And last, th- there's all kinds of different game styles, but for our purposes, one team wins. Right. So, so. and these are these are. Live people. These are other people such as yourself. You're connected over the internet. It can And you're be. playing with them. Yeah. Typically with first-person shooters like that, like uh, there is a very big multiplayer or 
or there's several different players playing over a network. So you could you could enter into a game and your team could be made up of people from Japan, Australia, wherever. Like um, in the past, I've actually played with. Um, I got to be pretty friendly with a guy from Australia. Cause you, you play a lot. You play a lot yourself. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I play tons. So um, you're not just, this isn't just like, you no. heard about it. <laughs> right. You, you, this, you're in it. Oh yes. I, I, I would go so far as to say I've overcome a video game addiction myself. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was a long time ago, but, um, my game. <laughs> so in the substance use world, we say drug of choice. Sort right. of like I mean, my my game of choice was a game called World of Warcraft, and this is a huge like millions of of people play this game. And while you can play it on your own, you can't do all of the stuff unless you play with other people. And I I would I you form groups and you you know you you log into the game and you see oh that guy is on there so I'm gonna have him join my party or my game or whatever it is. Right. Um, the more popular games, I think nowadays, like those first person shooters um, are, are, are much less um, you don't tend to form communities as readily. Mm, it's more, like, you can just play on your own sort of. Yeah. And they'll just throw you onto a team. And they have different controls in place to kind of, you know, based on your past play, they put you up against people that are relatively equivalent skill level to you. So it's not, you know, a, like a ridiculous blowout. There's not one person running the show. You're right. all kind of on the same yeah. level. So how does this fit, like, with your analogy from before about being uh, So what what is this... And I'm just assuming it's kids, but I, is that the wrong assumption? Like, my first thought is video games, children. Yes. Um, and so is it, like, what what role is that playing? Like, what are, I guess it's like, like, what's it tamping down or what are what are kids? Why are kids drawn to it so much? Yeah, like, and what yeah. are they getting out of it? Like, what's the reward? The reward is feeling good. Like, wow, I did really well at this game. And, yeah. like, look at me. And then... Like what are, here's a, a rabbit hole we don't need to go down to, but like what are kids, what's the what's the bear or car payment that they're dealing with that they're doing the video game? Well, it could be any number of things. Um, and to address the first part, like how, how does it, you know, if you've ever been gambling before, you put a coin in, you pull the lever, and every grand once in a while, you get this payoff and lights flash and, and uh, you know, the machine dings like crazy and it's a, it's a much ado and, and you've, you know, your jackpot was $6, but it feels like you, you won the world. You won. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what these, these games do. Like, especially the first person shooters, you say you go into a game and you do awesome. You do everything just right. And you get that really like once in a lifetime kill on another player. Right. Well, now you're like, I want to make that happen again. Well, it was just the right circumstances that created that. So the next 10 games you play, 
say you get slaughtered. Doesn't right? happen. It doesn't happen. So you're constantly kind of trying to to get that moment again, same as you would with gambling, right? So why are kids drawn to it so much? I think a big part of it is that it's easy. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort to do. I mean, you can play your video game from your bed. You you, you don't. Hopefully, you're getting out of bed to go to the bathroom. But conceivably, you could lay in bed all day and play video games. Like it's it doesn't take any effort. You don't have to go out and make friends because they put the friends in your party for you. You don't have to um, be. You don't have. You can choose to be as vulnerable as you want to. Right? Making a real human connection requires some level of vulnerability. So, in an online world, you don't have to do that. You can kind of. You can be whoever you want to be. Right? Your you can, actions are who you are, in a way. You, you know, yeah. nobody's going to see you, or you're just right. Nobody can confirm necessarily what you're telling them Mm. so um it's it's a very attractive option you're you're not you're not there's no risk to it so when we talk about what what's the bearer for kids it could be anything like um I've getting got, teased bad at school or yeah, you'd yeah, like, yeah. You'd just like every human, there's <laughs> oh. like a, an endless thing, amount of things. Yeah. I mean, one of the ones, you know, anecdotally that I've been seeing a lot lately is kids returning to online school and they fall so far behind, they get to the point where they're like, I can't catch up. So I'm not even going to try. And to make myself feel better, I'm going to go play video games instead. When, when that, in the short term, makes them feel better. In the long term, it's damaging, right? Just as it would be with alcohol. Alcohol in the short term is fantastic as a coping strategy. It makes you feel better. But in the long term, all kinds of problems, right? So I think kind of the next general answer is, well, what is too much? How can you tell when you're playing too many video games? And uh, here's like, a, is there a slang? Like, is there in the gaming world? Is there like somebody's like, wow, you've gone. Like, does that word exist? <laughs> that condition exists in the gaming world? Um, n- I'm, I'm not going to say it doesn't. I'm not aware of one particular. Okay. <laughs> like, just as like you, you wouldn't expect to go to a bar. And everybody refer to each other as alcoholics. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's part of that, that if I call myself that, then I might actually be that. So let's stay away from but that. Like I was, you know, I cut, I've long ago, I was in the skateboard world and mm-hmm. it was like a poser <laughs> and like, oh, like you throw yeah. that around with people. Like, so I was hoping that you'd have some cool slang that you're going to teach me, but sounds like there isn't. Uh, well, oh, there's all kinds of slang for it like um um when you have a particular player that is is experienced with a game and a new player comes in and this is you have this is 40 year old me saying slang that i've come across so i don't know if this is current or not but um a big one is noob Mm -hmm. n-e-w-b that's um somebody that is their gameplay is showing um, 
considerable deficits when compared to the other people playing in that particular game. They're new. They're learning. Yeah. And they're not very good. Right. Yeah. Easy to kill. Yes. (laughs) And might Um, get in the way of everyone else. Bring everybody down. Yes, absolutely. So it is a, it is generally uses a derogatory like um, term for, and um, so the, the phrase get good is a way of saying you suck. You need to go play on your own and get better before you come back and play with me. Cause I'm that good. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I totally distracted you with the slang. You were <laughs> going to talk about something much more interesting was, which was, uh, how much is too much? Yeah. So, and, and just, and it's not just kids like, no, absolutely. Not. So, um, what do you think would be better to talk about or what's your experience? Do we talk? Can we just generalize video like game addiction? Cause of the other thing I was going to ask you is like, what can a parent do or what should a parent look out for? But I'm, I'm throwing a lot at you, but let's maybe just go back to how do we know when too much is too much? Um, so I guess when, when we're talking about any kind of addiction, we look at, well, what effect is it having on other areas of, of life? Like, Adult, child, or otherwise, if it's getting, if you are calling in sick to play video games or not going to your sibling's birthday party to stay home and play a video game, that's potentially a red flag that there's something going on. A kid, you know, it's a bit harder to kind of put a finger on that because if you ask any kid, between the ages of, of five and 25, Hey, which would you rather do play video games or go to school? They're going to say, I want to play video games because it takes way less effort. I don't have to do anything and it's fun. And it gives me that reward. School doesn't do that. Right. So, and you have to take into consideration the kind of natural lack of impulse control and, you know, the executive function, that big fat human brain that we talked about hasn't really fully formed yet. So you, that's why the, the kind of stereotypical teen that you think of is moody and, and angry at the world and hates their parents for, you know, having had them in the first place. And, and that's not always the case, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, they don't, they don't really have even the capacity to regulate something like that. That's why most chemical addictions start when you're a teenager. It's actually pretty rare that you run into somebody who's who's like, yep, never touched any substances. Then all of a sudden at 45, they start doing heroin. It's like, eh, well, maybe heroin's a bad one because of the opiate situation, but it generally doesn't work that way, right? Usually, you know, doesn't, substance use starts in adolescence. Doesn't get picked up later in life. Yeah. Yeah. And a big, a big problem with that is that that age range is where we start to build these coping skills for dealing with the bear, the mm. anxiety, anger, frustration, sadness. We, we develop all of these coping skills. And if we've got a go to easy coping skill to use, meaning, you know, pot, alcohol, video games, gambling, whatever, we just do that because it's easier. So we don't build the other ones. So now all of a sudden we're 30 and we don't know how to deal with anger or frustration. So we keep going back to the 
the readily available coping skill. And now every day we're drunk or high or playing too much. Oh, I just did air quotes for those listening. I, <laughs> I saw it. I, I can yeah. verify that. Yeah. Um, so, so how, how can a parent tell if their kid is playing video games too much? But so uh, just, you gave me one other yeah. thought there though. Um, so when your coping mechanism is that substance <laughs> or whatever, it's what you know. It's like it gives you solace mm-hmm. and someone comes to you and is like, hey, you should change that. That's a threat. Or a could little be a bit. Threat. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, no, I don't want to hear that. This is the thing that yeah. I cope with. It makes me happy. And you're telling me no. Yeah. Go watch a few episodes of, of that show. Um, Intervention. Right. Which is a terrible show. It's. It, interventions don't work that way. Like, um, but you, you have this group of people and you bring in the addict and all of these people that are supposed to care about them basically tell you, you're doing things wrong. You need to change. And they go, I'm out of here. Right. Like, cause of course they do. They don't, they literally don't have the coping skills to deal with that specific situation. Like it's super uncomfortable. So they go, I'm uncomfortable. What's the one thing I've learned to use to make me not uncomfortable? I'm going to go do that. Mm-hmm. And then fight or flight. So it's flight. Yeah. They're, they're out of there. Yep. All right. I distracted you again. You no, were about not to at like, all. Like what do uh, I like that you were about to say, like, you know, um, what can a parent look out for or what can they do or. Yeah. So the, the. Something that's very, very important. Now, I, I have three kids, um, all currently adolescents. Um, my youngest one plays a lot of video games. And so how do I tell when it's problematic? Well, if kind of the standard metric I use is because I know what he's capable of when it comes to schoolwork, if he's not, if he's getting failing grades, that suggests that needs to be given more attention, right? But if there aren't any like, like, oh, he's not making any friends or, or he needs to get outside more, like those are all, all based on, well, that's what I did when I was younger. So that's what he should be doing as well, right? And I, I hate to say it to those people that, my my fellow parents, but we're old and they do things differently now. So, you know, when did that happen? No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I can tell you. So, <laughs> I've I've played video games since way back, and I can remember having battles with my parents and them saying, "Would you turn that damn game off and go outside?" Okay. And in my head, I'm thinking, "Why would I want to do that? This is this is awesome." Right. And I can remember walking through, I, I had set up a, a, a kind of a absurd computer thing at my house where I had two computers set side by side and it was, and, and my son would sit and he would watch YouTube videos of other people playing video games. And to my sensibility, I walked through and I saw him doing this and I was like, it made no sense to me. Like, me being a gamer, I'm like, I'll buy you those video games. Like, you can play them yourself. And 
I've come to understand that's not the point. It's it's watching how somebody else, it's it's almost like a social learning thing, which can be really, really bad, but it can also be um, good. But it is that kind of distraction. So, I mean, people watch professional sports and still like, exactly. I mean, like it's fun to watch people play tennis exactly. professionally and still play and be like, wow, they really... And may and like by playing the game, you maybe appreciate what you're watching. A hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And even even farther than that, I found myself watching a particular version of this on on YouTube. Uh, a group of five guys, roughly my age, that go in and play these games, and they're really bad at it. And it's funny, and they make fun of each other, and it's it's a new media form to present comedy. So I found myself watching videos of other people playing a video game. Like, like, so because it's unfamiliar is not a reason to say, no, don't do this. Right. Um, there's lots of research that says uh, you, anything more than six hours a day is harmful. There's also tons of research that says anything more than four hours, anything more than two hours, what I think it comes down to is not necessarily um, how much they're playing video games. It's far more complex than that. It's what video games they're playing and ultimately how much interaction are they having with their, with their family. Like if you walk through the room and your kid's playing video games again and you go, would you find something else to do? Give them something to do. Make it easy for them to come out of the game. Like, Otherwise, kids like water are going to find the path of least resistance. Going on a video game is easy. So why wouldn't they do that? And to say, well, no, you need to go go outside. Well, we used to, you know, grab a stick and we all of a sudden our imaginations kicked in and we're army men. And, you know, what works differently nowadays, they're, that part of their imagination is taken care of now. They, they have all of the things that they would pretend that we would have pretended to do back in the day, they, they have it right in front of them in physical form in, in a video game. Right. So that part of their imagination doesn't work like ours does. Now their imagination goes into, well, I wonder how I could change this and create my own video game. And I think that's another thing that parents don't, don't really think about is we are headed towards a very digitally dominated world where knowledge of of digital media and video games is hugely lucrative so there's like professional people do it professionally and get paid for it yeah why wouldn't we encourage them to play more video games right if that's what the world is going to be wouldn't we want them to be as prepared for it as possible but that requires a parent to be involved to to be and and that's kind of the one standard thing that that see that is largely consistent across all of the research is that the more a parent is involved with what their kid is doing the more benefits that can come from it like the more positive outcomes we see right i know what games my my son is playing because I've played them. He, there are some games he plays that I don't because they're too fast and I'm too old and I, my brain doesn't move that quickly, but 
I know what they are. I'm familiar with them. Like, and I can talk to them about them. Like, and that, that's a big part of, you know, why I wanted to, even on our website, I, I list internet video gaming addiction as one of my areas of interest because I have a, I feel like I have a unique perspective on that. You know, there's, there's, at least I haven't found, there's only one other therapist in the entire organization that would consider themselves an avid gamer that, that knows about that world. And so I'll even hear my colleagues say, this kid is addicted to video games. I don't know what to do about it. And I'm like, well, you got to learn how to speak their language, you know, just like any other symptom. Yeah. Or, so what um, you kind of talked about, like, a so a parent is noticing this with their child. They've maybe tried some of these tactics that you've said, you know, like not just say go outside and play, but maybe go outside and play with them. Like they've tried these yeah. things, but there's still this addiction. And I guess you could say this is for a kid or adult. Like where, where would you get involved or where does a parent maybe reach out to a therapist or, you know, professional help? Well, I would say that it goes back to that difference between is, is the kid using this to, to cope with something else or does he just really enjoy it? And it's an easy thing to do. So why would he put effort into doing something else? Like, you know, is, is he using the video game to escape something unpleasant? And, you know, when we talk about anxiety and, and trauma and all that stuff, it's all about avoidance, right? We don't, we want to avoid the bear, and we want to avoid feeling icky, right? Like anxiety, sadness, anger, whatever the unpleasant emotion is. We want to avoid that. So if we can do it through a video game, why not? You know, um, I would caution parents if it seems like they're playing too video games too much, but they're getting reasonably good grades that they're capable of, and they're not, you know, outright being hugely defiant and breaking things and, you know, doing drugs and all that for the most part, leave them be like if, if they were in their rooms playing their guitar for just as long, nobody would bat an eye, right? Because they're practicing a skill that, that is considered to be, you know, a, a worthy worthy of people's time. So uh, video gaming has a little bit of a stigma compared to like guitar or dance or writing or things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But you just kind of explain that this is a little bit of the way of the future that there are, it's, you know, there are careers and, you know, life paths that do involve gaming. Mm -hmm. I I actually have um, kind of, it's kind of, a side note, but I have a patient that I work with that oftentimes will choose to do a telephone um, meeting because they're used to talking people that way, talking to people that way, like you know, while doing something else, while playing a game with their headphones on, they're used to talking to people that way. So we carry on a conversation that is, I would say, just as fr- now. This doesn't work for everybody, but it's just as fruitful as them being here in person would be because it's familiar. You know, if, 
I, I, so there is actually research being done right now on developing a video game specifically for the purpose of the therapist and patient playing together Hmm. and doing therapy through that. Almost think of it as kind of like a, a precursor to like a virtual reality thing, like where, you know, let's say I set up in my office, two computers and my, my adolescent patients come in and we play Minecraft together. Well, that's, that's just the arbitrary activity. I'm still, we're still talking and and interacting with each other. Right. So, you know, what can parents do? Start playing video games with your kids. Well, and I, I mean, like I, like in the, in I'm in your office right now. It's beautiful. Thank you for having (laughs) me in here. But like, but right next door, in this clinic is a playroom. Yep. I mean, it's got toys. It's got like, so substitute that those toys for what you're just describing. It's the same thing really, isn't it? Yeah. Basically the the only difference is, is the people that use that room don't play video games. It, right. Yeah. You know, so well, but I mean, like if you and I, let's say we both play tennis, it could mm-hmm. be that way. It's Absolutely. Just, oh, this is so. I, this is so fun. I, like we're kind of getting close to our time here, but I um. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot your profession. I just yeah. <laughs> um, but um. No oh, shoot! I lost it. What was I going to say? Um, um. Well, previously you had asked when. When should the parent bring them to see you? Oh right. So there's that. But this is the other thing I, I was going to say. Sorry. Let me get this off my chest. Is that. I came, you know, when I was thinking about this interview, you know, I have this whole, you know, list of questions here that I think we answered one in because yeah. I was like kind of just going down to this this um, you know, what the problems are, but what I love about our conversation so far is that you've like taken kind of the positive things maybe that I didn't see about video gaming and brought I don't know an angle of the conversation that I like but yes exactly so when is a good moment for a parent to reach out to a professional um when when I guess the at the same point that they would with anything else when they feel like it's becoming a problem Right. If uh, if they feel like my kid is they're they're it's it's their video game use is is they're not doing their schoolwork to play video games instead, or or they have no friends in real life but they talk about having friends online. Um, and I guess, you know, when it really comes down to it, anytime a parent feels like ah, something's not right here, come and meet with one of us and we'll do our assessment and let you know, is there something to be concerned about or not? You know, that's what we do. And you um, um kind of to get back to early in the conversation, you said, um, something that the, the video game isn't necessarily the problem, but it's a symptom of the other thing of what the bear is, you know? Mm, so it could, it, it could be, you know, maybe the video game isn't the problem, but that's what you're noticing and they're doing it to take care of the, that, that whatever's going on in the Hulk brain. Yes. Yeah. It, it, I mean, video games are ideally like they are, they are 
specifically made to access that that process like even uh, candy crush angry birds the little mobile games and stuff like that um what happens when you do something awesome on candy crush the whole screen flashes and there's all these lights and noises go off and and you finish a level and this thing pops up great job you did awesome like you've achieved this thing when it really it's you haven't achieved anything like yeah but you did though <laughs> you got that reform you know reformation you got that good feeling yeah and if if that so this when when i used when i first talked about my video game addiction with world of warcraft a long time ago at that time in my life i was working a crap job that i hated and i wasn't happy with what was going on in my life but in World of Warcraft, I was depended upon by this group of people that, you know, to, to do the things that they wanted to do as a group, they needed me to be there because I filled a specific role that had to be filled. And that felt good, man. And, and we would work together and, and complete a task and they'll be like, wow, I, I got something out of like I, we did something. And what got me out of that is it kind of dawned on me one day that there's nothing tangible to be had from it. And this was, you know, 20 years ago. So nowadays there's, there's video game Olympics. There's, I mean, it's you, the chances are probably similar to your kid joining the NBA you know, getting into one of these like televised, like just, I think it was two, three years ago, they had a call of, it was, either, it was one of the first person shooter games at a tournament where the winner won $5 million. Like, and it was on TV. Like the kid had a shirt with all these sponsors on it. Like it, it's, it's a real thing. And it's, it's not a fad. It's not going away. Like it's going to be here for a while. So so adapt to it as parents, you know, as adults, if you're not depressed, if you're not anxious, if you are playing video games to eat up time or have fun or whatever, that's not, if it's not causing any distress, then it's not a problem, right? Like, you know, but if, if you're playing video games because you feel alone or, or ashamed that you're not achieving things, well, you're not addressing the bear in that situation, right? It's so address the bear and then go back to have playing video games for fun, which is what I do now, right? Like now I'm super content with my life so I can go home and I don't play. Admittedly, I don't play the real intensive. Like I tend to not even play with other people. I do. I play solo games. They're called. And, um, just because I can, I can be playing and just stop playing if I want to, like, you know, and after, after dinner, my wife and I play Scrabble, like probably four to five nights a week. And then I'll go play video games, but I'm not sitting there the whole time. Like, Oh, I wish she would just make her move so I can go play video games. Like it, it's, you know, it's just something you do for fun. Yeah. It's like, it's, and, and, there, so 
uh, I feel like there's so much more to talk about. Well, um, of course, but I think this is a good start. And um, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what's in your car right now? What's in my car? What do you mean? Got anything in your car? Oh, is this like a, like a Joy Your Burrito? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what's in your car right now, Ben? For me, as little as possible. I think maybe an ice scraper and a mount for my phone and a winter hat, maybe. I try not to keep anything in my car whatsoever because it, it doesn't need to be in there. <laughs> got it that's that's a perfect answer yeah that's like that's what i expect but uh i've gotten some good uh good answers so that's why i keep asking it yeah um but th- thank you so much and you're right i mean i feel like we scratched the surface and this time went uh very quickly but thank you very much for being here certainly was that the way you thought that conversation was going to go I don't know. Am I the only one that reads a headline or subject line and thinks, I know what this is going to be about? Well, it uh, it was not. So uh, it was good to talk to Ben and get some more information about addiction and video games. So a big thanks to Ben Britton, a behavioral health therapist at our clinic in Washburn, for taking the time to talk to me and share his knowledge and insight. Uh, hopefully what he shared can help you if you think that someone in your life is spending too much time doing something, whatever that may be. North Lakes Community Clinic is located in the northern and eastern parts of Wisconsin. We have clinics in Ashland, Birchwood, Chippewa Falls, Hayward, Hurley, Iron River, Lakewood, Minong, Oconto, Park Falls, Turtle Lake, Washburn, and White Lake. We are a federally qualified health center that provides a variety of service, including behavioral health, chiropractic, dental, health and wellness supports, medical, optometry, pediatric dental specialty, pediatric therapies, prescription services, and recovery. Our mission is to respond to the healthcare needs of our communities with an integrated array of quality services and actively remove barriers to wellness. You can reach us to schedule an appointment or get more information by calling 888 888- 834-4551. And you can learn more about us on our website, which is nlccwi.org. I'm Jeremy Oswald, and I'm a marketing and communication specialist here at North Lakes, and I'm lucky enough to have these conversations with our providers. You can contact me with any comments or questions at marketing at nlccwi.org. You can expect us to release a North Lakes podcast each month here in 2022. Until then, drop me a line and tell me what's in your car, because if you're like me, you are not like Ben Britton whatsoever. Thanks so much for listening.